welcome to Jews Taekwondo Podcast. Today we have Miss Christine Stanley. She's a former student of mine. And good morning, Miss Stanley. How are you? I'm good, Master Jew. How are you today? Great. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for coming online and kind of giving us a little update on what you've been doing. Um, so you're down in San Diego, right? No, I was there. I'm actually up in Washington State now. I've been oh, up here for... it's been a while, I see. So you're up yeah. in Washington and training up that way. What part yes. of Washington are you? Um, do you live in? I, I'm in the in on a peninsula that's about forty, about thirty to forty minutes west of Tacoma. Okay. So there's a lot of waterfront up here, so um, and lots of wooded areas. I'm I'm hiding out in the woods. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Give us a little background. What do you What have you been up to? Are you running a studio or working? What What's um What you been up to? I've just been training and um. I've been working uh, in construction up here, just living pretty a uh, pretty boring life for the most part. <laughs> yeah. I had a I come I came up here three years ago and I had torn my right ACL, so I I had surgery to get that repaired. Just had to see about like where I was at afterwards if I could still continue to fight afterwards. So yeah. for um, some of our listeners, if they're not. Um familiar with you. You're a first degree black belt with me back in the 90s, I think it was. was that, That's right. What year was that? Do you remember? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I believe I got my black belt in 2000. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while. And then I think you um, moved and went to school or something. You are currently doing a lot of mixed martial art type of um, training. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little background on your journey through this um, whole process? I remember when you were, you love fighting. I remember that um, you had amazing, really quick back kick and you would hit everybody with that. That was great. Yeah. Um, that, it was well, like your I, signature move or something. <laughs> yeah. I guess that jumping back kick was quite good. Um, I, I think I landed that in, a, in one of my fights as well. I, I landed it in Invicta against Shannon Sin. Uh-huh. Didn't hit quite on the button, but um, yeah, um, I I obviously loved fighting. I just uh, fell out of uh, Taekwondo when I was twenty because life happened. Ended up moving this, you know, moving around. Ended up in San Diego when I was twenty one. Uh-huh. I, I just was. I didn't. Uh, there wasn't really anything going on at that point mixed martial arts was around because i think that they still had like that that was like the kind of the dark years of the ufc back then when they just couldn't figure out how to it was just crazy there's just too many open weight classes it was just crazy right right but it, most of the mixed martial arts was going on in um overseas in like japan with pride okay that, that was show so most of the first uh, a lot of the original fighters from the ufc were picked up from the pride because ufc purchased it later on mm-hmm but uh, basically, though, back in 2009, I think I was like 28, 29 years old, something like that. Um, I was I had been working for In-N-Out for quite some time and I was just really out of shape and really bored. And, you know, I watched um, Strike Force. There was a lot more mixed martial arts on television at that point. They had the WEC on television, which is a lot of the lower weight classes for the men's division that got picked up into the UFC later. That's what, like. Um, Uriah Faber and Dominic Cruz came from and they also that's when they were pushing Gina Carano back then because she was the Muay Thai striking specialist back then and um, she was really pretty so lots of people wanted to watch the 
the pretty lady fight. <laughs> she was, uh, and then they brought in Chris Cyborg, and uh, Chris Cyborg came in and, and beat her. She's she's still around. She's in the Bellator now. She's the Bellator champ. She's a phenomenal fighter. But th- I watched that, and I realized at that point that there was females fighting on TV, and there was um, it was a thing. I, I was really interested. It kind of lit a fire in me. I said, like, I want to do that. <laughs> so, oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know how to go about it. So I just went and um, said, I don't know anything about grappling. I don't know anything about jujitsu. Um, it's just completely foreign to me. So I just went and sought out the first something that was like resembling some sort of MMA gym. And I just kind of found my way through that network and ended up um Getting into a gym in San Diego, eventually called um, San Diego Combat Academy that had a lot of mixed martial arts fighters. They kind of brought me up from there and I started my journey from there, basically. Very cool. So was that um, school mostly trying to develop um, fighters for like UFC or mixed martial art competition? Um, well, they, they're, they're they're a mixed martial arts gym. um, And so they have the capabilities. A lot of the I mean, all the instructors there had a lot of background, like uh, one of the instructors there is still there. Um, his name is Manolo. He was a part of the first MMA gyms called the, it was called the Lion's Den down in San Diego. And that was Ken Shamrock's gym. And okay. Ken Shamrock, one of the original fighters from back in the day. So they had their um, their little thing going on down there. So he'd been around in the circuit for a long time as far as like that sport goes. And he uh, he had a little team out there. Predominantly, the gyms down there are actually catered to like just regular people who are looking for a different workout, and and some people just really want to learn jujitsu. Some people just want to go in and really learn how to do Muay Thai and just get a good workout. Right. But typically, there's like that small set of people that want to fight, and there's like a small fight team typically out of those gyms. So they had a kind of got cut out there. Still lost you. Hello. Yep, I saw. I, I kind of lost you there for a minute. Oh, okay. You were talking about. The gym, Ken's, um, Ken Shamrock and... Yeah, Ken, Ken Shamrock. Um, they just were able to develop me from from not knowing a whole lot of anything to teaching me all the skills, you know, as far as like... Because it's, it's more than just like, obviously, you got to learn jiu-jitsu and, right. uh, and you have to learn how to wrestle, um, which was very difficult to learn in my 30s. But it's I really liked it. I wish I had started that a little bit um, younger, to be honest. What rank did you get to um, in jiu-jitsu? I'm, I'm guessing you're still working on that as well. Uh, well, I, I got my blue belt back in 2001 or 2000. No, no, I'm sorry, 2011. Sorry, 2011 or 2012. I just, uh, I didn't focus on belts after that. I just, um, the school I was at wasn't as focused in belting. Right. And I didn't do gi jiu-jitsu. I did the no-gi, which is just, uh, you know, submission grappling without like the, the gi and the belt. Mm-hmm. Because in MMA, you don't have a gi in the belt. And when you roll in a gi, it's it's really a lot different than when you in um, roll without a gi on. So I just focused mo- mostly on that. And I didn't really wor- work on getting any belts or anything after that. Just, right. It's uh, I guess it's kind of where, where you want to go, right? In your martial right. art training or well, why do we even have um, a ranking system, right? There's different reasons and some good, some bad, I guess. And it just kind of depends on your journey. Yeah, it does. I mean, as far as belting goes in jiu-jitsu, though, it takes a really long time to get belts. And um, there is a massive difference. 
between you can tell when someone's a brown belt and the black belt when you roll with him like really it's it's very very clear when right. when you roll it's wow you know big difference <laughs> Kind of give us a little background on your <clears throat> your fights. I've been following uh, some of them, and I'm not too familiar with the different um, organizations or maybe the systems, I guess. Uh, obviously, they're just like any other circuit, right? You've got um, UFC, you've got Strike Force, I guess. Um, so what have you been doing? You said something about bare knuckles, or how is that different? Well, I'll, I'll start with the uh, MMA promotions <clears throat> first. Strike Force essentially um, went under... Uh, UFC purchased it years ago, mm. and then um, now the biggest promotions are Bellator and and UFC, and then you got one fighting championship out out in Asia, which is the biggest one out there. And then um, there's some other ones like uh, Ryzen, which is based out of it's like a Japanese organization organization, but they're mostly in um, Russia, and they fight in a, in a boxing ring. They do MMA in a boxing ring mm. out there. Versus like a cage? Is that what you're saying? Versus a cage. That's right. Right. That's how Pride did it back in the day. So, and that's a, it's kind of hard to do MMA. You don't, you don't have the fence. The fence you can use to do a lot of, you can stand up. There's a lot of things you can utilize the fence for. It's, it's pretty, it's, uh, it's useful in a fight. So you use the fence as a tool in a way. Right. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yes, that's Uh, true. But those are like your top leagues. Those are what. So when you first start fighting, you don't. Uh, you you start in regional leagues. So lots of every state has an area has regional fights, and they're usually pretty pretty rough around the edges. Essentially, anyone can go out there right now. And if you, there was a promoter that was horrible enough, they could put anybody that wanted to fight into a fight. You just have to go get your license. You have to go get your, if you need medicals done and you can, you know, roll in there with zero experience and, and, and be O and fight an O and fighter because technically your, your records are the same, but one of you trains and one you doesn't. Oh, wow. And start your personal career that way. Probably go very well, but, <laughs> but that's how it works. So you start with your regional shows and you <clears throat> you start racking up your wins that way, and then you start getting into the bigger regional shows that are on are televised, like uh, the LFA LFA's on TV is one regional show. Invicta is a regional show, a big time regional show. There's Combate Americas. There's um, those are just a few to list, right? Right. And then <clears throat> if you you know those are feeder organizations essentially for the UFC. You've, UFC basically says they don't own a bunch of these shows, but they do. They fund all these shows. They, they just basically, they're minor leagues for the big leagues. So when they need new fighters, they go to those shows and say, hey, who do you have that looks good? And they'll give them a UFC contract. <clears throat> oh, I see. Some, now, people go, some people go to Bellator because it just depends on which one you're going to get to. The, um, and that's where the, that's when you start making some actual kind of money now you said something about anyone can jump in and try have you ever met anyone that came off the street and had no martial art training and how they how they fared just out of curiosity yeah that's how um a lot of um the regional shows are like that when you first start i fought the first few uh my first a couple of my first few fights were down in san diego for a show called Explode Fight Series that caught a lot of flack because um, they, that's the one I had the viral knockout where they did the jumping, spinning hook kick, and I and I knocked the girl out. Oh, nice. And that's also the same show that Alima knocked out a, a lady that looked that everyone said looked like a soccer mom. 
Yeah. And then that show caught a lot of bad attention that way. And they're like, how could you do this? But the problem is it wasn't just that show. No, it's it's wrong, but it's everywhere. Right. It's entire United States. All the, sh- all the regional shows do that. They have a good fighter. So when you first start fighting, here's the thing. People are so into protecting their records that when you first come out 0-0, 1-0, whatever it is, a lot of the other fighters coming up don't necessarily want to take that fight with you because the money's so low. You're basically fighting for three. Like my first like few fights on those fights, I got paid like three hundred dollars. Wow. So, how much do you want to get in there for three hundred dollars to fight another fighter? Because you're gonna come out like you're gonna come out with some scrape bumps and bruises for three hundred dollars, and I even cover your medical stuff, you know? Right. So, you want to like a lot of people when they first start, they're gonna take those fights to get their the record up to three and oh four and oh to get first of all the the experience to make the walk because it's scary it doesn't even matter if even if you know you're gonna go in there with somebody that's not like you know that's not training or not that good it's still scary you're getting locked in the cage with another person they're staring across the cage at you and they're gonna punch you in the face with these tiny little gloves on and it it is it's it's nerve-wracking so being able to perform under that kind of pressure is part of the process. So sometimes in that aspect, it's really important. But most of the shows that when you first start like that, there are definitely lots of fighters that aren't there to train. I mean, I watched so all sorts of crazy stuff happen in that show. You know, two of the girls I fought in there, I knew weren't trained fighters, but they were just, you know, people that were probably coming from pretty rough situations. And they're like, hey, you want to you wanna go down there and, and make a couple hundred bucks tonight? Are you saying that some of these fighters are just doing because they need a couple bucks or something and they have no experience at all? They've been in street fights and they think that that That's being it. in a street <laughs> is something. And and you know they're they in their head they probably really do think, hey, I've been in some street fights. What what's the difference? I'm gonna right. get paid, so they're gonna they're gonna make a few dollars. And they're not the they and for them down there, from my understanding, is it wasn't the fighter when we're being prom- raised up by the promotion. They're finding us the fighter. We have to sell tickets. I had to sell like I think like twenty five tickets at fifty bucks a pop. I got to keep three hundred, oh, and see. then they would just pay the other person to show up, basically. So I'm basically paying, you know, selling tickets for their purse. Hmm. It's pretty corrupt just to get my career started. I never really liked it. I didn't. I, I tried to get out as soon as I could, and I, I for I got a contract. Thank God, and have to do that after that and fight like Invicta, which was like a legit promotion with the actual fighters and stuff like that. But but that's kind of how the regional circuit works. It's pretty gross. Huh, it's interesting. So would you say a lot of it is attitude? I mean, obviously it does take some attitude to get out there and just duke it out. Yeah. I mean, the, like these people that don't have any experience, I mean, they must have had yeah. some kind of they, a- attitude that the will to, yeah. to fight. Well, I mean, they have an attitude, but typically once they get in there, you can kind of see the the reality of the situation setting in their face a little bit usually. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It's it's a it's a pretty low probability that they're gonna they're gonna win when they see the the weight difference. You know, there's a there's a huge difference from you know when we're when we're fighting we, we fight at a certain weight, right? And they're like, hey, what do you weigh? Blah blah blah. Right. If you're a trained fighter and I'm weighing in at 125 pounds, but the next day I'm 145 pounds. There's a big difference between me and my and an athletic build at 145 with right. muscles. And Someone who's just walking in off the street at 145 pounds, like there's a size difference, right? Because 
um, of the build and stuff like that. So you can see like when someone walks in, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm 200 pounds. Usually it's the big guys. You can see the difference. Like, oh, I'm 200 pounds. I can go in there and they go across and they stare at another guy that cut down to 200 pounds. And now they're all hydrated and they're they're like it look like massive compared to this guy. You can you can generally see like this the the one that's walking in going, oh, man, <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about um, organization or the the fight scene that you've been working with. Well, I did. Um, I started doing bare knuckle a few years ago. What's the difference between bare knuckles uh, and mixed martial art UFC? Well, what What is the difference? Uh, it's really scary. <laughs> That's the difference. It's really scary. <laughs> Why you don't have a glove? Is that what it is? No, no gloves. I have you. you I wrap my. The, my uh, I'll have my wrist wrapped up to my knuckles. Okay. And, go, and tape just to give myself some wrist support. Right. And the last fight, they gave me a glove that was just padded on the back of my hand to keep those little bones in the back of my hand um, safe. Right. And I'm thinking, just it looked cool too. But my knuckles are are completely bare. Okay. So, um, but it's bare knuckle boxing, so it's different than MMA because obviously it's just boxing. There's no kicks, there's no takedowns or anything. It's that boxing rules basically. Oh, the I only see. thing in bare knuckle boxing compared to regular boxing is we can do a half clinch and a dirty box. So you can keep a half clinch as long as you're working with your other hand. You they'll they'll keep the action going. Oh, I see. <laughs> can you use elbows as well? No elbows. No elbows. No elbows. Yeah. But in um, mixed martial art or ultimate fighting, you can use all the all the tools, I guess. Yeah, in mixed martial arts, you can do you can elbow and knee. You just can't knee um, someone who's on who's on the ground. Yeah, mm. in the face anyway. You can el- you can knee their body and stuff, but you can't knee a grounded opponent in the face. So why do you like um, the bare knuckles? Just a different experience. Um, well, I like it more now because I'm getting older and um, I don't have to cut as much weight. So I've been I've been doing the um, uh, I'm doing 135 pounds, which is still kind of a cut for me. But it's my my cut to 25 when I was fighting for MMA was grueling. Right. To make that weight is is a full time job, and I I don't have time to be training full time anymore like I used to. Unless the money's right, if they're gonna pay me bigger purses and stuff, like if there's a big fight, then I can do it. That means I just have to like postpone everything and just completely focus on making this weight, which is is terrible. And two, because I I've had a ACL surgery in both of my knees now, my left mm. and my right. So I don't have um, I don't want to have another one, man. And re- <laughs> wrestling, <laughs> other stuff is. Um, what causes those injuries to happen, you know, I'm just getting to the, I, I, I still like MMA and I still think about like, oh man, if there's a right, if there's a good fight down the line, that makes sense. And maybe I could still do one more or two more. I don't know. It's just it's hard to say I want to stop because I love it so much, but right. it's just really taxing. It's really hard on my knees and my whole body. I'm getting old and um, bare knuckle is a lot easier to train for. I'm very comfortable standing. I've always been a striker. It's just, it's easy. And plus, I'm kind of bred for it because I I had that black belt test back in the day with right. you. Yep. And we had me punch that tile. Yep. And ever since then, my right hand, like, it, I don't know what happened, but I remember my knuckles swelled up after that tile, like, so big. It freaked me out. But yep. ever since then, this the right knuckle of mine is so calcified that I don't feel anything. <laughs> really. <laughs> It's just like it's, it's a just weapon. like it's a weapon after that that 
that break. Yeah. So um, it just made a lot of sense. And it pays it pays better than the MMA fights I've done, to be honest. So why not? Cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, injuries um, <clears throat> kind of hold us back from things, right? Um, right. Yeah, hey, ACL surgery as well. Both my hip has been replaced. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know how much more I can do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, I'm I'm much older than you, so <clears throat> that's very cool. So, what's down the line for you? What What's your plans? Um, I'm looking just at bare knuckle for now. Um, I don't know, like thinking about getting into boxing because I really like it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but for bare knuckle right now, as far as I know, the next fight it should be a title fight for this promotion. And, and how can we see that? Well, it's uh, well, it's we're still up- in COVID though, right? <laughs> Do they? <laughs> But it depends on where you stay. I mean, people are fighting. It's just depending on what state you can go to. Oh, I but see. It's too, It's like to be announced right now, but it's in the works. The promotion I'm fighting for right now is only doing like, um, they did the first one with pay-per-view, but the last one they didn't broadcast it. I don't know like if they're just doing, um, it's based out of, they did a show with like a deal with the Hard Rock basically. So um, I fought in in, uh, in Florida last time at the Hard Rock Hollywood, which is this really cool hotel with a venue and stuff like that. But they didn't air it. What I'm hoping to do is um, get the 135-pound belt with them. And the cool thing about Bare Knuckle is it's not like MMA, like if I fought for UFC or Invicta or whatever, where you're locked into a promotion. That's the thing. They'll sign you into the promotion. They'll lock you in and you can't fight in any other organization. So you can't like go and challenge someone else or anything like that. Boxing's different. And same with bare knuckle right now. It's like it's open ended. So like boxing champions can go fight other boxing champions because they're not locked into any specific promotion. It kind of gives you a lot of freedom. So I'm hoping to get this belt and then, you know, there, the big, there's another show called Bare Knuckle FC that's got some girls in it. They just signed, um, you know, Paige Van Sant, who is a pretty big name from MMA world. Um, she's, she's got a lot of fan base and, you know, clout behind her, blah, blah, blah. But um, that would be a really beautiful fight. But, you know, it's hard to say if anything like that will happen. What I would like to do is get the belt and, and see if I can get some some bigger fights and do some cross promotion stuff if they if it's allowed and whatnot. Cool. So, what would you say the life expectancy of uh, fighters, UFC or Ultimate bare, bare Knuckles? I mean, how what do you think is <clears throat> how long can people do that? Honestly, I don't. It's really like based off the person. Um, you know, we got a lot of fighters that are in their forties mm-hmm. that have been around. It just depends on how well your body wears, how 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 you your fighting style. Um, if you have a destructive fighting style, if you're more this or that and mentally, um, a lot of the fighters, like they'll start to skid because fighting is really 80% mental, sure. 20% physical, you know, you get some, a lot of people who are young going into the sport and they do really, really well in their first few years and they get like one or two losses that really mess their head up right? and you never see them bounce back. And so sometimes it's, it's really just a mental thing that they can't bounce back from. You know, your body wears out over time. So it just, it depends on your fighting style, how, how where your head is, how your body is and stuff like that. And you could potentially go for quite some time, um, maybe not in like the top, top tier elite status, like, champ, you know, but you can definitely be competitive for quite, quite some time. Yeah, very, that is really cool. Um, yeah, I would definitely say it's a lot of it's mental, even 
if it's self-defense, a lot of it comes down to your mental ability, right? To, yeah. To survive or to, to win the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Tell me a little bit about um, your Taekwondo experience and how that's helped you. Oh, my, my Taekwondo experience, um, I feel like it gave me a really good uh, kicking base. Mm -hmm. um, I have that ability. Um, I think that Taekwondo... Like if you can mix really good boxing in with your taekwondo, it can it to me it worked out for me because the flow, the fluidity of kicks to punches was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And for me as well, I equate like my power, the, my ability to sit power to just those drills we did in taekwondo when we first started with just sitting and breathing out and sitting your power down. Right. I think that having that basis gave me like an edge as far as like how hard I can punch because I can punch harder than anyone in this division. I've been told over and over and over they like from a lot of girls, like every, a lot of the girls I fought that they've never been hit as hard as they've been hit by anyone. Like until they got hit by me, that's a, any, that's a female anyway. Right. Got a lot of guys say that, you know, they never felt a girl hit as hard as I hit like a, a guy basically. And I think that that's from Taekwondo. Well, that's really um, interesting. Yeah. Like, what's um the worst injury you ever got in a fight? In a fight? Well, in one of your matches uh, <laughs> or um, training, I don't know. What's what's the worst injury? Your ACL worst, maybe. That ACL really came from training. I tore it before the fight. Oh, I okay. didn't I ignored it. I didn't think it was torn and it completely blew in the fight. So that's what happened. That was from wrestling. Hmm. But the worst injury I've had from a fight would be uh, my second fight. Uh, Justine Kish was a Muay Thai specialist, and she got me in a clinch, and she like threw my head down from the clinch and need me. Ooh. I got that was the hardest shot I've ever taken in a fight. She broke my nose, Ooh. and uh, that was probably the worst injury I've gotten in a fight. She set my nose off to the side a little bit on that one, but with her, I don't with her knee. Yeah, with her knee. That that was a gnarly shot. I, I'm really big on not getting hit in fights or getting taking damage so it's I, I really try not to so usually in my fights i would say the majority of my fights i came out very unscathed mm -hmm. um i would but the worst injury i've gotten in training was um i dislocated my right elbow in jiu-jitsu completely it like completely separated and my um one of this is the radius or whatever it is yeah. was poking through my tricep oh oh my gosh and, um, I had to call my, I had to get emergency help from a friend that was mine to come set it. And Ooh. he had to pop back into place. And thank goodness, nothing was torn. And that was frustrating because I had a fight eight weeks out. So I, um, Oh, wow. Wow. I did the whole camp. Um, the first couple of weeks I couldn't do anything. I had to sit with my arm in like a tub of ice wow. just to get the swelling down. And then when I started to be able to train, I wrapped up the, my right arm with a sling. And all we did was work kicks and jabs the whole fight, a whole camp. So I did sprints just to get um, my cardio and my weight down. And all I could do was hit mitts and, and jab. And towards the end of camp, I think I did a little bit of sparring. But even in the fight, I couldn't throw. It wasn't still 100%. It felt a lot better. It was healed for the most part. But I couldn't throw a straight right because my elbow would click and it would hurt. Right. And uh, we had to really avoid the ground because there wasn't much. Uh, I didn't I wasn't confident in the stability in it. Right. Wow. I hate to ask you, but how did you do in that fight? I won that fight. Nope. 
Cool. Yeah. Talk like, about perseverance. Yeah, that was pure, pure wanting to do it. I mean, I was I was lucky I fought a strike a striker. She wanted to stand with me in right. that fight, and it was actually a beautiful fight. So, um, do you think that today there's more stand up fighting versus a lot of grappling? That's what I see a lot more now. And we don't. I don't. I mean, you still see the takedowns. You still see that that grappling. But does it seem like it's more stand up now? Um, with the guys, more so. And the reason for that, uh, not so much the girls. Girls are still more into the grappling. I think a lot of girls don't really like to punch or be punched as much. That, and they're really, they're savvy on the ground. Girls are really flexible and and they have this whole, the grappling is just kind of, they're just bendy, you know. So they're they're really into like more of the, the wrestling and, and submission grappling stuff. But as far as the men go, there's a lot more striking these days. And it's because that they're all so well-rounded at this point. They're, they're all, you know, high-level jiu-jitsu people. A lot of them are black belts on the ground. Um, they all have great wrestling, so they're able to implement, if they want to take it to the ground, they can, and they can stop the takedowns at this point. And, um, and they're all great strikers. So essentially, I mean, all the fights start on the feet. Right. So people are going to keep it standing. A lot of the times you'll see people end up striking more. It's not necessarily because one person wants to. If, if someone's losing the striking match, they're going to want to try to get the takedown to secure the fight and get it to the ground. Because if you're losing on the feet, you need to change up the pace of the fight. Sure. The problem is you can't get the takedown. You can't get it to the ground. So it's going to stay standing. So that's why a lot of fights these days are staying on their feet. Mm, so people are now able to kind of prevent that takedown to keep it up on the up on their feet. Is that what you're kind of right. saying? Yeah, if they don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, even in mixed martial art or any of these sports, there are still rules. Would it be different if you were on the street? Would it be different? Um, Would you treat it differently? I mean, yeah. obviously, the floor is going to be different. You won't have maybe cage. You know, obviously, you won't have someone to say stop, right? Yeah. Is it different? The difference is now they can bite you and they can kick your knee and they can fish hook and eye gouge and stuff like that. Um, for my sense, like my biggest thing when people, and I've taught a lot of classes, you know, where people are like, what do you do if you're in a, in a fight and somebody does this and this? And my first base for everyone is, because I've been in so many fights now, is just avoid it. Yep. My, my, I'm like, dude, just get out of there. You don't want to know. You don't want to play with that. You don't want to play that card. It's just there's no fight you're going to come out with that you're not going to end up having something scraped up. It's not that fantasy in your head where you're like, oh, I'm going to do this move and then I'm going to do this move. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to get punched in the face and you're going to freeze up and it's scary. And somehow this you're going to twist your knee. You're going to end up with a broken foot. You don't even know how it happened because it happened so fast, you know. Right. But from me doing mixed martial arts for so long because now I've, I'm able, I've done all, you know, wrestling and jujitsu and stuff like that. I could say handedly, I'm very like, I'm like confident in my ability to defend myself at right. this point. If I need to, I would be scared if it was a person that was bigger than me because size is a huge thing. Right. Having some, someone with 50 pounds on you, even 20 pounds on you is going to make a big difference in a fight. Sure. And you can be a great fighter, but if they 
hit you one time with that extra weight, it's going to ring your bell or it can knock you out or whatever it is. And then you're going to have a concussion. Then you got to defend yourself with a concussion and they're bigger than you. Like these are all factors that are very, very like serious, you know? Sure. So, you know, as far as like a self-defense thing goes, if I had to, like I, if I couldn't leave, I mean, there's, there's no rules in the world. So you're going to try, I'm going to try to attack some sort of like joint so I can mostly escape if I can like take their mobility out re- real quick. Or um, if I'm able to get them in a choke and choke them unconscious and get away from that, that would be good too. But I'm, I don't, I don't have any fantasies of like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to go in and knock this guy out or this, that that's just, that's just wild. So avoid it no matter what. Yeah. Avoid it. I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Totally the more agree. On and fighting, the more I tell people you want to avoid a fight, it's just never a good idea. But then there's those times when you do need training, right? And so, yeah. I mean, hopefully your training tra- is good. Training is great. I think everyone should train. I think the more people that train, the less they're going to want to fight, sure. too. And a lot of times people get in fights. You know, obviously, you got the people that are criminals or crazy, whatever it is, like you know, psychopaths out there, whatever. But, you know, sometimes you see a lot of these fights happen because people are just angry and they're just upset and they just, you know, whatever, they're having a bad day and they came across somebody else who's having a bad day and they have this, like, tough guy, tough girl thing when they're just, like, trying to blow off some steam, you know? And and it just ends up being usually a terrible idea. Um, a lot, You know, people go to jail sometimes for stupid fights. You know, you, you hit somebody, they fall down, they're non-conscious, they hit the back of their head. They can die from that. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's just it's just silly. So I think if people train more and they were able to get their aggression poured towards something more productive, like learning self-defense and just taking on the gym with each other. I, I mean, for me anyway, I know that when I was younger, I had a lot of I had a lot of pent up anger and stuff like that. And I you? wanted to fight prove something, <laughs> this and that. And it really, really got subsided once I started doing MMA. I just I, I really calmed down quite a bit and yeah. it was really, really good for me. And I. I feel like a lot of people that went in there and did the same thing were, were, were looking for the same thing. So it's just, you know, daily life can be stressful sometimes, you know? And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Lots of aggressive things going on. It's just frustrating. Yep. That's true. Well, that's very cool. Um, I'm glad I uh, caught up with you. I'm following you on your Instagram. Um, what is your handle on Instagram? Is it, it's not Chris Danley, is it? No, it's uh, it's knuckle up one, two, five. Because I used to fight at 125, but that is uh, that's my uh, handle for Instagram, for Twitter, and um, my fight name is Knuckles. Oh, um, cool! Well, um, definitely, if our listeners want to um, catch up with you, maybe they'll they'll find you there at Knuckle Up. Yeah, Knuckle Up 125. 125, very cool. Anyway, I really appreciate you uh, coming on board and chit chatting with me. Um, Bring me up to speed on what you've been doing, and I wish you all the success and luck on your next fight. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on um, your podcast. It's been a pleasure, and it's been really, really fun catching up with you. You know, you need to come down to my studio, and you got to show us how it's really done. I would love to. Um, <laughs> I, I actually will be planning on some trips coming up soon, and um, I'll be in touch with you if you... I would love to be there. If you'd love to have me, it would be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. And that would be really cool. I I think uh, some of our students would really enjoy that. Oh, I would have a blast. Cool. Anyway, um, thank you very much. And hopefully we'll catch up with you sooner than later. Yeah, sounds great. 
All right. Thank you, Miss Danley. Thank you, Master Jude.